It's the Real Faith for Real Life podcast. Today, we're talking about having a sleepover at Ikea. All right. And Pastor Bill, guess what? 2022, coffee is good for you. You ready for this? I love it. It's gonna I be love good. coffee. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about all that, plus continue our series looking at Jesus and who he is through the lens of John 14, 6. So stay tuned. This is Real Faith for Real Life, a podcast from Cascade Fellowship in Grand Rapids. All right, we're excited to welcome a special guest host to the show this week. This is Eric Vanderwall, Pastor Eric, sitting in for Brian, who's in Hawaii right now. Ooh, Hawaii. Yeah. It's not as nice as the weather here. Yeah, oh my goodness. It's crazy here in Michigan. Come on. But uh, yeah, excited to have you on the show today, and we've got a lot of great things to talk about as we explore what Jesus meant when he said he is the truth. You bet, yeah. And so, before we get into that, yes. you mentioned something about a sleepover at Ikea. I love Ikea. Tell me about oh, it. Oh, you do? I do, yeah. Yeah. It, wouldn't that be a cool place to just have a sleepover? You got everything you need. <laughs> One it. store. <laughs> That's exactly right. In the news this week, we always look at the news because faith interacts with life. This is real faith for real life. So, what's happening in life? Well, there's bad weather overseas, too, and turns out 25 IKEA workers and six customers got stranded overnight at an IKEA in Denmark. Thanks. So a foot of snow fell pretty rapidly, and so it turned into an impromptu sleepover. But like you said, they had everything they needed, so it was kind of fun. Uh, the manager said they spent the evening watching TV, playing card games, eating food in the cafeteria, and then everybody got to pick their own bed. You of know course. how they have it set up in little rooms. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then when they woke up, they got uh, hot cinnamon buns, hot chocolate, and coffee. So, man, that sounds pretty cool. Would you do that? I think I would do it, man. I, I would love to go there and just find the perfect room, and I'd have plenty to choose from. It'd yeah. be great. I had this nightmare when I was a kid that I got locked in Sears overnight. Okay. It was not good. How did you get locked in a tool store? You couldn't break your way out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got some not the tool, I'm not the tool man over here. Yeah. But yeah, Ikea would be a better place to get stranded. In fact, you can't... There's no better place to get stranded. No way, man. And the meatballs... They've got those right. meatballs there. Yeah. You could live for days <laughs> for, in Ikea. For decades off those meatballs. I'm, I'm sure they've you. got frozen for like <laughs> forever. Yeah. Anyway, right. yeah, that's that's our first story today. Yeah, the second one, coffee's good for you. This is good news for both you and me. Tell me a little bit about that. That's right. We have already had a lot of good scientific study about coffee. So we already knew from previous studies that drinking two to four uh, cups of coffee every day decreases your risk of cancer by 20%, uh, decreases your risk of type 2 diabetes by 30%, and Parkinson's also by 30%. And now there's even more good news. Just uh, early uh, this year or late last year, we discovered three new advantages to drinking coffee. Uh, you're 21% less likely to develop chronic liver disease. Nice. Uh, you um, are less likely to get heart disease. And you're less likely to get dementia. And okay. these are all significant percentages I'm looking at here. Like the risk of dementia goes down by 28%. Yeah, yeah, that's big. That's huge. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. You said you're a coffee man. What's your, what's your poison? I definitely love <laughs> cold brew. Okay. Uh, and so, I just want to ask the question, is this for just like black coffee, oh, you think? Or is this like there, the Starbucks you? sugar drink? You would have to go there. <laughs> I just got back from the doctor this morning. And guess what she told me? Yeah. No more Starbucks? Yeah. Milk and sugar. Gotta go. 
well, people's bodies do not react well to that. It causes inflammation, of course, fatness, you know. Oh, come on. And that's like 80% of my coffee. Right, <laughs> that's yeah. if you, It's true. I like a good scoop of sugar in my coffee, too. I'll tell yeah. you that. So if it means giving up that, I don't yeah. know if the benefits are worth it. We'll I'm see. working my way to stronger, blacker coffee, less sweetener. I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. You can go there on your own. I'm not joining you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, Man, some really cool stuff we're going to look at from John 14, 6, as we continue looking at the identity of Jesus and what that means for our, our real lives. So let's get into that in just a second. All right, so let's get into it. We're talking about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And so today we're going to read from John 14, verse 6, and continue that conversation that we started this past Sunday. Uh, So John 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus claims to be the truth here in this passage, meaning that there is objective truth. There is a right and a wrong. But in John 18, verse 38, we see Pilate ask Jesus, what is truth? Kind of in this like big grandiose, what is truth? And in your sermon, you said a lot of people today are asking that same question. Yeah, it seems to me like we're living increasingly in a post-truth world. And, uh, you know, I, I used to be a journalist. I don't know if you knew that. Mm. Now you know that. I used to be a broadcast journalist. They let this on TV, Yeah, surprisingly. And I went to broadcast journalism school where they taught us, your job is to discover the truth, to get to the bottom of what's really happening in the world, and then to disseminate truth. Mm -hmm. They taught us to leave our biases at the door, you know, to acknowledge them, but not let it get into the story, not let our opinions affect things. Mm -hmm. But man, how much has changed in 20 years uh, you know, we look at all the issues in the world today, and it's like, what is the truth about, you know, anything? Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to have their own truth or just have given up on discovering the truth at all. And I think, from my point of view, as a 40-something, it looks like it's getting worse generation by generation. You're the youth and families pastor here. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the younger generations and their attachment or detachment from truth. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just jump to the younger generation and skip millennials because who knows what's going on there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess I just have to say that the noise of our world is just deafening. Hmm. And for our students, they're constantly bombarded with worldly truth from every direction all around them. They've got Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, TV, mm-hmm. YouTube, phones, school, sports, billboards, really anything that's in writing, and it's all around them. And so very rarely is what they're hearing truth hmm. as we know it uh, from God's Word. And so I truly believe that like the less truth from God's Word that you take in, the more you're actually allowing the enemy's lies to take that place in our lives and in our minds. And so our students battle this. Uh, somewhat kind of unknowingly because of how much noise is around them. Maybe they've lost uh, that sense of listening to the Spirit. Um, And there's so many different messages that are being presented to them uh, each and every day. Yeah, I scroll my own social media feed, and 
even for me, it's hard to know what's true and what's not because everything has the same level of importance as just scroll mm-hmm. through it. Yeah. So your crazy uh, conspiracy theorist, you know, uncle, his post is right there next to the mainstream media outlet. Right. And then people don't even trust the media nowadays because of all the bias and opinion. Right, right. Um, but, you know, specifically, we're here to talk about religion and faith and mm-hmm. uh, divinity and God, mm-hmm. you know, and if it's hard to discover the truth about, you know, uh, politics or or health, man. How much harder is it for people nowadays to discover the truth about God? Mm, yeah, I don't know if you see this in the youth, but I know a lot of people who basically say um, it's all basically the same. Mm, you know, yeah. every religion teaches you to be nice and loving, and they all kind of have a part of the view of God. Mm. So, no one religion is fully correct, but they're all. Basically correct. Yeah. Correct enough. That's so believe whatever you want to believe. Yeah, that's certainly the easy thing to say. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Well, there's some big problems with saying that. We're going to talk about that on today's episode. So put on your thinking caps, everybody, because we're going to dive into logic and reason. Uh, so let's put a picture around this. Uh, I mentioned this in my sermon as well, but the, the best picture of the view I just described is an elephant. John Hick, a prominent pluralist thinker, created this picture, and he said, religion is is like this elephant. Mm. There's a reality, a divine reality, but we're all just grasping at a piece of it. So three blind men come up, and one grabs the trunk, and one grabs the foot, and one grabs the tail, and they describe it in very different ways, but they're all describing the same thing. I think most people I know in the real world, outside the church bubble here, think of religion like that. Mm. They think, yeah, Christianity sounds good, but it's just grasping one part of the elephant. You know, Hinduism grasps another one just as well, and Buddhism, and, and on and on you go. Now, Pastor Eric, let's put our thinking caps on. Yeah, yeah. What is the logical problem with John Hick's illustration here? Well, man, you'll have to get into that. Yeah. Tell me. Well, the first one is, how does he know? what the elephant looks like. Mm. How does he know that Christianity is grabbing the trunk and Hinduism is grabbing the tail? How does he know that there's this grander thing that he says no one else can know? Mm. That's part of the theory. No one can know the whole thing. So how does he know the whole thing? Yeah, I guess he's just guessing at that point, right? His picture, well, yeah, and not only guessing, but he's making a decision. And so the second problem with his logic is he is saying what is true and what is not true about God, specifically that God is unknowable. And he's making this claim that all roads will lead to God. But that's not the default neutral position. It's a particular view of God. It's a choice among many. He's made a choice. And his choice is this view that God is some vaguely beneficent, benevolent God who's unknowable and unoffended by our wicked behavior. So, Grasp at him as you will and come as you will and do your best and you'll get there. So what he's saying, what many people believe today, it sounds to be very tolerant and very pluralistic and very inoffensive, but it's a choice. Hmm. Just like Christianity is a choice. He's picked a side, even though he says he's not picking a side. He really has. Right. So there's this other guy. His Mm -hmm. name is Joseph Campbell. And in The Power of Myth, he says that religions are all true because they're all mythological and just not historical. He says that they're literally false but metaphorically (laughs) true. How do you critique that argument? How do we critique that argument together? Yeah. 
Well, Christianity doesn't allow that option. So Christianity specifically is not mythological, unlike many other religions. And so you just read the Bible, you know, it doesn't claim to be a myth, it claims to be history. Jesus was born under Caesar Augustus, a real person you can read about, crucified under Pontius Pilate, a real person, confirmed in historical evidence. Uh, the Gospels and the Book of Acts are written as historical narratives, not, you know, poetic or mythological. The apostles, when they wrote their letters, like 1 Corinthians, they talk about having a real hands-on, face-to-face encounter with Jesus, not some you know, mystical, mythological thing. And that's the story of the rest of the New Testament, these disciples who were eyewitnesses to what happened in space and time and in history, not myth. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just close with Paul's words here, like in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So Paul is saying, if this is all just a myth and made up and literally false but mythologically true, it's worth nothing. Mm-hmm. So this guy you quoted, he doesn't give – he's not allowed to do that to Christianity. Christianity won't allow that to be done to itself. He's mischaracterizing our religion. Sure, yeah. So, you know, all this makes sense. But still, like some people are going to say that this way of thinking is intolerant to the world around us. A lot of people today are pushing really hard for relativism. They're pushing so hard that it seems like they're saying it's morally wrong to not (laughs) agree with them. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Yeah. So by pushing the value of tolerance so hard, they're proving that they really don't think morality is relative. So, again, they're taking a side. Mm-hmm. So they're saying you have to be tolerant or else you're morally a bad person. So morals are relative, except for that one. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, like, right. yeah, they're, yeah, their own logic defeats them. It's similar to someone who says it's wrong to say there's absolute truth. That logic falls apart, too. And you can hear it better if I say it this way. It's absolutely wrong to say there's no absolute truth. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. A little bit, right? Yeah, right? If someone says there's no absolute truth, well, they just made a claim to the truth. Yeah. So theirs is the only absolute truth? Hmm. Anyway, I don't know. It, it gets deep real quick here. But if you put your thinking cap on, all these people who are making these philosophical claims that all roads lead to heaven or that all everything's relative, you know, all religions are the same. Uh, all of that logic actually falls apart if you look at it real closely just using the basic elements of logic. Mm, yeah. So looking closely, it's pretty easy to see how like logically inconsistent each of these approaches are. You have to look really closely. Mm-hmm. Like you said, thinking cap oh, on thinking for cap sure. On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the end, it's easy to see that Christianity is making exclusive truth claims but the other systems of thought, they're, they're doing the same thing too. That's right. They need the principle they say doesn't exist in order to make their argument and to make it work. Um, they need the rules of logic, and they're trying to throw away the rules of logic. They need to make truth claims, but they're throwing away absolute truth. Mm-hmm. They need a morally a relevant system, but they say there are no morals. In the end, though, listen, I don't know if anyone has ever been argued into the kingdom. And I know that's probably your experience on the ground, too. Right. I can't ever remember having a conversation like the one we've just had, and someone says, well, I guess I'm a Christian now. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's good to think about these things, but in the real world, 
um, you know, that's not how people are won over to Christ. In the real world, it's often the opposite. Christians come across as really um, bullies, you know, mm-hmm. as... Um, I don't. I, this this is the heart of the discussion, and I'm I'm glad you're here for it today, because the world values tolerance, and Christians come across as intolerant, and that can be a barrier to like connecting with people and sharing our faith. Mm. So there's a balance here. Like we have to be intolerant of untruthful things. We have to hold tight to what's true, reject what's false. Well, we have to be tolerant of people and love people mm-hmm. and be in the real world and live next to people and get in their lives and, and genuinely love them, not just pretend to love them to gain an audience to share the gospel, but to really love people. Yeah. So as a youth guy and family guy, you know, where the rubber meets the road, how do you do that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. Um, I don't believe that we can live with tolerance at the expense of truth Mm -hmm. because we find ourselves in a pickle then uh, with nothing to share that's hope worthy Mm -hmm. and life saving for anyone around us. And so I really love the example of uh, Jesus at the well in John chapter four, Uh, really a true example uh, of truth, but also love there. So, you know, Jesus is is interacting with a Samaritan woman uh, who has had many husbands a woman who's living outside of the promise of life in Christ and following the commands of God. Yet Jesus does something very important there. Jesus sits, Hmm. he listens, he loves this woman, created in God's image, created to worship the Lord. That's what she's created for. And she just needs to be reminded of that, really redirected Mm -hmm. to that truth. And, And in the end, Jesus calls her to a different lifestyle because there's a better way for her to be living, and it's under the promise of God through Jesus Christ. And a lot of times when we kind of get stuck in our lifestyle where we're uh, just kind of rolling around in our sin over and over again, we we kind of forget that there is a better way, and that Mm. better way is through Jesus Christ. All that noise can cause us to forget that. She was a sinner, there is no doubt, and Jesus definitely speaks truth to her and tells her that there is a way and a truth, and that's through him, and that life, that living water is through him. Um, and so I love that story. Now, uh, I'm not Jesus. I'm just going to throw that out no there. No way. Okay? I know, right? <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> um, but living in truth and love is something that each of us can do. And so I guess, you know, I recall going on our youth retreat and a student who I had a, a relationship, a friendship really built up with for some time. Um, through youth group, he came to me and he was anxious and he was he was kind of in tears too. And and whenever a you know seventeen eighteen year old boy comes to you in tears, you kind of know something's up. Mm-hmm. And he shared that he and his girlfriend they were just heavily involved sexually with each other, and that it felt like it was kind of getting out of his control to mm. to be able to walk away. But he also really liked her, and so there was this kind of intermixing of that feeling as well too. Hmm. let alone the outside world telling him that anything he's doing right now, it's okay. If right. it feels good, do it. Uh, you see this in uh, on the screen. If they're mm-hmm. doing it on the screen, you must be able to do it. Now, I could have easily just been like, sinner, right? You're a sinner, and just walk away. Uh, you could say something like, you're wrong, and here's why, and just talk, talk, talk it out with him, kind of like you were saying, mm-hmm. try to convince him into the kingdom. 
But instead, modeling what Christ did is often the right approach, and that's what we try to teach our leaders here at this church, and that there's listening, Mm -hmm. there's some talking, there's some crying, and there's definite truth and redirection to a better way of life, one defined by the truth of Scripture— and then now followed in life because he's, you know, living and loving in a new way, following the Lord and stepping away from the thing that was actually pulling him away from that relationship with Christ. I think when I look at truth and love in our world, it really comes with self-sacrifice in ourselves Mm. where we have to set aside our agenda if we've made our own agenda and replace that with the truth that we find in God's Word. And a lot of that will come with listening, a lot of that will come with relationship, and a lot of that will come with time. And we need to be able to put ourselves into that position to be able to offer love Mm -hmm. filled with Mm -hmm. truth. Yeah. It's really interesting that on the extremes, it's easy to go all truth and no love, or it's easy to go all love and no truth. Yeah. You know, just don't confront it. That'll be the it feels loving, right? To just, oh, okay, yeah. I'm sure that everything's fine, though. You don't worry about it. Right. Or on the truth end, to just pull out your Bible and start reading proof texts. Both of those are very easy. The hard thing, like you said, is to get in that person's life, to earn the right to speak into their life. Uh, a lot of listening, mm-hmm. a lot of care, a lot of genuine care. And, uh, man, how rare is that today, though? It is we're, rare. We're, Our world tells us you have to pick a side. Yeah. You're either left or you're right. You're Mm -hmm. either this or you're that. And in the middle is this loving new way Mm -hmm. that Jesus points to us. And and he helps us build those relationships so that people can be directed to him, the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the most loving thing, it's like, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Mm. So the most loving thing you can do for a person, it's to think about how would I actually go about bringing transformation into their life? You know, so it, it's not the right thing to do to just beat them over the head with scriptures or right. condemnation. If that's going to result in a net negative that they're going to not become a Christian, they're not going to repent of their sin, they're not going to get involved in the life of the church, and quite the opposite, they're going to walk away from the church. They're mm-hmm. going to have a negative view of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, man, the most loving thing to do is to really think about how can I make a positive impact on this person's life now and long-term in their walk with Christ? Mm. And, um, of course, not shy away the truth from the truth. I should do that. Now, for the last little thing I want to mention today is this. If you're going to bring truth into someone's life, you got to know what the truth is, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And as Christians, uh, man, our, our level of biblical knowledge as followers of Christ I just have a, a hunch that it's lower now than it may ever have been, you know? And again, especially with those coming up, yeah. with the generations coming up. And so the last thing I just want to encourage people, just as a pastor here on the internet, and if you're a Cascade Fellowship, your pastor, is just rededicate yourself to the importance of truth and God's truth. You know, so in John seventeen seven, Jesus prayed to his Father, Father God, you know, th- sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And so the way we're made holy, the way we're sanctified, the way we're made Christ-like is through the truth. Mm -hmm. And the truth is found according to Jesus in God's word. So, man, can we dedicate ourselves to that? You know, I'm doom scrolling on social media for hours a day. 
even though I turned off my notifications, which we've talked about on the podcast. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> but man, it's easy to scroll entertaining things for hours, but to get in the Word for like five minutes, it's like, oh, right. Oh. But folks, that's that's where the truth is. That's where sanctification is. That's where Christ-likeness is. That's where fulfilling abundant life is. And we're not alone in that. In John 16, uh, Paul, or excuse me, Jesus said this, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so the spirit, you know, is so tied to truth, he's called the spirit of truth. And one of his key reasons for existing is to lead us to the truth. And so to combine prayer into our times of study, man, to just open ourselves to what the spirit wants to reveal to us and you know, to allow it to set us free, like it says in John 8, the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll mention, just as I was studying this week, one of the verses I came across was Ephesians six fourteen and following, famously, the armor of God, right? Mm-hmm. So to, to get ready for life in this world as Christians, one of the things we have to put in our armor is the belt of truth. That's the very first thing he says, actually. Stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. And of course, the sword of the Spirit later as well, being the Bible. And uh, man, I just think, wow, can can we take that to heart as Christians as well? That part of our clothing up, our dressing up for the day, our getting ready for battle in the world, you know, is yeah. to get in the Word and get in truth. Yeah. yeah. What a blessing that God gave us this direction, this yeah. truth, that we can have it readily at our fingertips to be able to be in a relationship with him, to know what's mm-hmm. right and what's wrong and have direction in our life from the Holy Spirit because the Spirit points us to that truth. Yeah. And it's like you said, uh, like we've been talking about, you know, this is not something we want to guilt people into doing. Mm-mm. Like, you know you should be in the Bible. Get in the Bible, you heathen. <laughs> But it's, it's the source of life. And uh, how did you say it earlier when we were talking? It's like it's a better way of living. It's, it is. You know, it's fulfillment. We have to point people to the fact that our way, it's not just the right way. It's a better way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we have this, this truth claim. Jesus makes exclusive truth claims. He is the way, the truth, the life. And that excludes a lot of other things. So that's a difficult conversation. We have to have it sometimes. But... It's a better way. better way. And hopefully in our living, we model that. So the tr- part of that truth and love balance is also the love they see in us, mm-hmm. the better way that we uh, put flesh and, and bones and blood around. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I love this conversation. I think it meets us uh, in a moment of our world and our time right now where it's so needed, uh, where truth is just kind of tossed around as this flippant word where it could be anything and everything. But Christ says... He is the truth. Mm -hmm. And from him, we will find a better way. Yeah. So to everybody listening, uh, man, as you heard in the first half of this discussion, you can go really deep in this. Mm -hmm. And if you are interested in going really deep in this, we got some great books we can recommend. God Among Sages Mm -hmm. uh, is a book I used in preparing this podcast and my sermon. Um, But man, if this is something that interests you, dig into it. Dig deep, apologetics, you know, uh, world religions, all this stuff. Uh, and for the rest of us who may not, maybe that's not your thing. <laughs> it's not for everybody to go that deep. Sure. Uh, but for the rest of us, man, let's dedicate ourselves to being people of the word and people of love as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to continue next week as we wrap up our three-part series on the uniqueness of Jesus. 
by focusing on that third statement. He is the life. What does it mean that Jesus is the life? We'll unpack it next week. Hope to see you then. 